Welcome back to the pond. <laughs> Leave it in. Leave it in. Content I'm sorry. Lab. What's the name of our podcast? What? Content Lab. I was looking at your shirt. You're wearing Pod Saves America. So I don't know. Podtent Lab. I don't know what I'm doing. No, we're. I don't know. We're not leaving that in. Yes, we, we have are. to. We have to at least start. <laughs> we have to Do we start. Really well. Do we really? No, know. maybe we don't. Okay, fine. It's Content Lab. It's Content Lab. Everybody, fine. We'll leave it in. My my stumble. My fall from grace. Uh, John Becker here, editor, editorial and features editor. No, I got that wrong too. <laughs> John, what would you say that you do here, bud? <laughs> you know what? Our, 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 hi, hi. I'm Liz Moorhead. I'm Impact's Editor-in-Chief. I'm joined, as always, by John Becker, our Revenue and Features Editor. And trust us with your words. We are very good at words. <laughs> like, when it comes to words, we are we are number one, friends. Yeah. Well, after that auspicious beginning, I think we can, it can only go up from here, right? Oh, totally. Totally. So, uh, Liz Moorhead, John Becker, Content Lab, just for, just, you know, pause for station identification, just so everyone is on the same page. That's who we actually are. Sorry about the stumbles on the lead in. Welcome, everybody. We talk about all sorts of things relating to content marketing here on the podcast. And today is uh, something that feels maybe a little bit oblique to what we normally talk about, but I think that's been a little bit of a trend recently where we've talked about diversity and inclusion. We've talked about video. We've talked about uh, lots of different stuff that feels, um, you know, a little bit less less directly tied to our normal subject matter. And I think that's good. Today, we're going to talk about the never-ending 24-hour-plus news cycle relating to all things digital digital marketing, social media, search engine stuff, uh, et cetera. It's, there's an onslaught, of course, just like there is uh, with, with, any, with any news because, well, partially because so much news is coming out and partially because people want to get views and get clicks and get engagement. Yeah, I mean, partially and, and, it's because these are publishers and they have jobs. Like they can't just like roll up a morning being like, sorry guys, there's no news. No news. No oh, news. Yeah. So Liz is in the has published a like slightly provocative piece and a little bit iconoclastic where she is essentially saying, "Hold the phones. That news does not matter." Correct. Tune it out. Turn off the TV, so to speak, and uh, go about your business. It's not going to make you any better or worse. Just let it go. So Liz, oh. let, let's 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 um, Use that as a lead-in and, and talk about your piece a little bit and your stance. And um, I'm going to pepper you with a couple of questions. I love pepper. That sounds <laughs> great. Yes, I know. And it's kind of funny. I, I woke up it, literally this morning, by the way, and unlike Tony Soprano, who woke himself up and got himself a gun, I woke up and fired up all of my little various digital marketing news websites because one of the duties I have as Impact's editor-in-chief is actually also to be our de facto news editor. And what that means is over the past, I would say a year or so, ever since John abandoned me to take a promotion, <laughs> I had to take over news, which meant I have edited more than a hundred news pieces authored by other people at the company. Um, and I have also written more than, I've written probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 to 50 myself. Um, and 
I've noticed that in that time, there's just, there's so much news. Like, for example, there's something about like TikTok and like cryptocurrency and like it's banned for sponsored con. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And I spent like almost two hours this morning just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And I just noticed, I was like, doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter, not relevant, doesn't matter. And when I say it's not relevant and doesn't matter, um, I want to be clear, you know, that our audience, we're inbound marketers, right? Or we're companies that are using, they ask you answer to drive more sales with inbound marketing. Uh, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, when I say they ask you answer, just literally Google, what is they ask you answer for the top result that'll get you all caught up. But anyway, if you do inbound marketing to drive traffic leads and sales, I was just scrolling. I started looking at press releases, John. I demeaned myself with press releases. Like there was just nothing, not even a single article where John Mueller from Google was like contradicting himself. And usually I can rely <laughs> on him to like, be the heavy, right? Like it was just a few episodes ago that we were sitting here talking about how Google had so much relevant news, right? There were page experience updates and the private future web and blah, blah, blah. And now that's pretty much petered out. And we only had that glut of news because of the pandemic pushing so many news stories forward and like pushing all of their updates into this very finite condensed period. And there was just nothing. So I had a choice. I had a choice, right? I could, because I still have a deadline, right? I am also working as a publisher and I couldn't just be like, no news, not publishing anything today. I've got a director of content who has me on a deadline and says, that's not okay. So like shame on me for hiring a content director who's going to hold me to a deadline. But then I just decided, why don't I just call out the big fat elephant in the room? You know, I've always been very judicious in terms of what stories actually get through. So I've always known that when I fire up Feedly, which feeds in from like DigiDay Digi and HubSpot and uh, Search Engine Roundtable, Search Engine Land, uh, Search Journal, all that crap. I've always had to do some parsing, right? Some sort of figuring out like what matters and what doesn't. And today, when I sat there, I realized the thing I needed to talk about, iconoclast I may be, is that for the most part, these stories do not matter. They don't matter. And in fact, most of them are distraction. Yeah. I was, I was looking this up because I wanted to make sure that I, I had this right. There was famously a day in history when the BBC... Uh, signed on for its evening, uh, at this point, radio broadcast and said, good evening, there is no news and uh, signed off. And I, I wanted to look it up because I think they like actually like maybe played music or something. It's this really fav uh, famous. Um, OK, here it is. So this is from the BBC website uh, on the 18th of April, 1930. The BBC's news announcer had nothing to communicate. There is no news was the script of the news bulletin but before piano music was played for the rest of the 15 minute segment. So it's been it's this famous uh, this famous moment in journalism where uh, <laughs> it's hard to imagine it today. Hard to imagine it today. So someone an announcer, a newscaster literally saying, no news. 
Well, that's the, that's the point now. You know, news is now a business, right? It, it, when we look back then, you know, news in in essence was a service, at least in in some part. Now it's twenty four seven news cycles. Like you started with the lead in this conversation, right? Like what I realized as someone who comes from a journalism background is that it was important for me. And obviously, I don't know if you can hear her barking in the background. Nugget, my dog, clearly agrees with me. News in some ways is a product now. It is a commodity. It is a thing that must always be running because these websites, and God bless them. I love Digiday. I love all of these websites. I read them for a reason. I do not consider it a waste of my time. At the end of the day, they can't just play music, right? They can't just play music. They have advertisers. They have clicks that they'll sacrifice. They won't hit targets, which means those of us who are actually trying to figure out, you know, what are the Google updates that we're supposed to be paying attention to? What are the HubSpot product updates that I need to understand? What is the data privacy news that actually matters? Instead, we're inundated with the fact that legit, John, one of the articles that was equally footed with other quote, big news stories was Twitter introduces a new way to sign on. Does not matter. And even when Twitter does make news, they don't matter because it's been reported and there's plenty of data to substantiate the fact that Twitter and TikTok do absolutely jack squat when it terms in terms of driving revenue and value for publishers, for content marketers like you and me, or the people who are listening to us. There's just so much junk out there. And I think that's important to point out. I think it's important for people to realize because otherwise you're just gonna spend all of your time spinning your wheels taking actions that don't matter, investing time into social platforms that do not matter, freaking out when Google has its hundred millionth core algorithm update for the year, which by the way, even though Google makes a lot of news, most of those updates don't matter either. They just don't. I, I, I agree to a very large extent, Liz. Um, and I do think that news around social media stuff is the biggest culprit of all of this. Yes. You know, it, it's, and you put something in your article, which I love. It's like, you know, newsflash, Instagram has added a slightly different version of a button. Uh, the button is now moved to the left a little bit and like, let's mm-hmm. all take the day off and, and, and contemplate how much our world has changed. Right. Like, yes, it's absolutely true that I think there is this like grandiosity that's added to these minute details that, you know, maybe if I'm a social media manager for a a big brand or something, then that has relevance to me, but probably not, but probably not. Like people are going to make small updates to their, to their websites, to their products and big companies are no different. Uh, And those rarely are our news in the traditional sense. Rarely are they going to influence the way that we do our job on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I mean, if you're a small to medium-sized business practicing the ask you answer, you are not one of the brands that Advertising Age was referring to when it said, what brands should know about TikTok's band on sponsored content from crypto? What? That does not, <laughs> does not matter. Or when it's like, Oreo went viral during Wimbledon. Learn what you can do so you can do that for yourself. No, that I think I also put this in my article. That's like 
me window shopping for a private island to get like really in the weeds on that when I'm like still trying to figure out repayment on student loans and like I have a serious Starbucks habit. I want to put this near the mic. That is the ice from my second latte today. <laughs> for app people. Anyway. But at the same time, I have in some ways I have a different opinion. And this is what I'm excited to 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 talk about because like, and I pulled up some of these at at Impact. We have in our um, in Slack we have a channel called Breaking News. Yeah. And as as you said, I was news editor for a while, and I consider that that to be kind of my duty to you know peruse those various sites that you're talking about and drop articles in, links in, things that people might be interested in maybe writing a news reaction about, or maybe um, just reading for their own edification. And I agree that a lot of those, a lot of those articles don't have direct relevance to our work. However, I do believe that they can, when parsed properly and contextualized properly, they can give you an idea of what's coming. They can give you an idea of like major shakeups. Mm-hmm. They can give you like if impact, I'm sorry, impact. If Instagram is introducing a new button, which again, feels like the most banal and ridiculous like news story ever. Maybe if you bundle a bunch of those news stories together, they show that Instagram is like, pushing heavily into this. And if Instagram is a platform that matters to you, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to impact. I don't think, um, then that has relevance. And so I was thinking about this cause I had put in a, a few, um, a few articles just that I'd come across in the last couple of days. And, um, and one was zoom, the platform that we are recording this on zoom buys a cloud call center firm called five, nine, for $14.7 billion. Now, like you, Liz, I have, you know, five figures invested in Zoom stock. So I many, like to hear- Many <laughs> of my dollars are in Zoom, 100%. You know, me and all that investing that I do. Yes. Okay, I'm obviously kidding about that. I, I don't care about Zoom's share price or its IPO or who 5.9 is necessarily. But I think that when the pandemic hit and many companies moved to online platforms, Zoom was a popular one and continues to grow in market share. And many companies that I think may- maybe tried Google Meets or like um, something with like Microsoft Teams or whatever it is, uh, maybe found those to be lacking, maybe found those to be um, perfectly suitable, or maybe they moved to Zoom. So I read, I read this article um, and it's interesting because before we started recording today, Liz, we were both talking about like, oh, Zoom is adding new features. It's interesting that we can do new things with Zoom. And now Zoom is, is adding like a call center feature because they bought this company for a lot of money. So the details of that deal don't totally matter to me. But the fact that Zoom, which I use every day, multiple hours, is adding new features that might be relevant for me or for my business uh, keeps them in mind for me and keeps me pleased with our company's investment in the platform. I'm going to push back, John. I'm going to push back. And here's why. 
you and I are in a unique position in some ways because we get to be the most mouth-breathy type of marketers around because guess what we do? We market about marketing to marketers, period, full stop. Which means, quite frankly, I think what we need to be looking at is a bit more broad. On the other hand, until I sit down and take a look and see that there's a Zoom update with all of these app integrations, that isn't news. However, if there is something where it's like, hey, this integration now allows you to bring your proposals more easily into Zoom conversations for virtual selling, that's an entirely different story. I think you make a point here where there is some, there's something to having a little bit more visibility and foresight into what's coming down the road, right? That kind of stuff matters. For example, the Instagram buttons, eh, whatever. Now, granted, Instagram did just make a big stinky stink about the fact that they are no longer, quote, a photo sharing platform. That does speak to a broader thing about how they're prioritizing video and blah, blah, blah. But the reality is, is that if we think about inbound marketers and what they're really trying to do, which is creating content that answers the most pressing questions of their ideal buyers on a website that doesn't make people want to scream and Google freak out, that stuff doesn't matter. Like, I think that is the kind of stuff you can graduate into. I think that is the kind of thing where that's something that can augment your strategy. But if we're talking about, like, if we look at the biggest success stories, right? Like our Yale appliances, our Aquila commercials, those success stories where people, where those companies were able to embrace the ask you answer as a means to drive more sales with inbound marketing. Those success stories didn't substantively grow something because they understood that, hey, Instagram is now prioritizing video, which is a concept we've already been talking about. Video matters. They're not going to suddenly drastically move the needle because Zoom is allowing them a way to connect something. I'm not sure, but I know I can now put a coffee cup up on my screen as a reaction, which I'm a big fan of. Do you see my point, though? Yes, but I disagree. (laughs) Because ultimately, yes, we're writing for marketers, but not only. And I think in, in my job writing for the this other business unit within Impact, we're writing a lot for business owners. We're writing for sales leaders. We're writing for people who are trying to be successful in lots of different ways. I think of a challenge at Impact is what happens when someone does call us? It doesn't happen very often but we have a phone number and that phone call gets routed to someone who usually you know might not always pick it up and so that's a particular it's not a it's not a huge challenge for us but it might be a bigger challenge for some of our clients or might be a bigger challenge for some people who are in our audience and and this is a silly example because we're talking about one particular article um but oh, I know like, the answer to that. I just don't answer my phone just like I do at home. <laughs> Who calls so, people? <laughs> so like, as you said before, the what's useful about this, um, this news might be someone saying, look at all these new things you can do with Zoom. But that feels more like a press release. You know, that, that's, that's the very antithesis of news to, to some extent. It's self-serving. It's you know, it, it's only the, um, you know, it's a platform talking about itself or the company talking about itself. But I think 
if Zoom added, adds new functionality that allows us to better communicate with each other, better communicate with prospects, to like better be more responsive when we when we when someone reaches out to us, um, that's relevant. Even if this news story doesn't actually show that, it shows that it suggests that those sorts of functionalities might be coming down the line. And for some company who's saying, right now I'm paying, like I'm outsourcing to a call center and I pay for Zoom. Zoom just bought a call center cloud-based software. Like I might be able to do this more cheaply, more efficiently and better sometime soon because this big deal has happened at some corporate boardroom, you know, 3000 miles away. So here's what I'm hearing, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we actually agree a little bit more than we think we do. <laughs> We're not and so different. Very, no, and, and to be very clear, this wasn't planned. We literally, before we got on recording, we both said we disagree with each other. And I said, do we disagree now or disagree live? And John said, do it live. So we haven't, this is not a prepared, like Mr. Rogers coming together moment. And also John might also be like, Liz, you're so beautiful and so dumb when I say this. But anyway, <laughs> I think the challenge that I'm really trying to address here is this. Let's pretend we have a piece of pie and I'm saying pie because it's pre-lunch time and I'm hungry. So we're talking about pie. This pie represents all of the news that we are all getting pelted with 24 hours a day, seven days a week from all of the different digital marketing news sources out there, including press releases, including websites that say that they're just giving us the most relevant news. All right, awesome. I would say like, if you're an inbound marketer or if you're doing the Ask You Answer to Drive More Sales with inbound, 75% of that just really isn't gonna matter, matter to you. Who cares how viral Oreo is during the Super Bowl because I do not care. I also then think we have this 25% that's left, right? And I think in that 25%, you then have the 20% that you're talking about, right? Stories where you can kind of skim a headline, maybe give it two minutes of your time and just having passable awareness around it is okay. But I genuinely believe only about 5% of it is truly relevant you need to understand this. You need to develop a deep understanding about it. And it now has a direct impact on your ability to drive uh, traffic leads and sales with inbound. I fundamentally believe that. Now, I had another really smart point here that I'm gonna to continue to gesture into very heavily. <laughs> I wish people could see this right now, but my brain literally stopped working. Give me one second. Well, okay, I got okay, it. go ahead. I got my point. There it is. I just had to gesture my way to glory. So that's really more of my point, John, here is that there's a distinct difference between things that's good to have awareness of, things that literally just do not fucking matter. And I'm getting to use my little explicit word now because we have that explicit rating for my one, my one time per per episode. Um and then there's the stuff that's really actionable. And I think a lot of people, the problem is, is that they can't tell the difference between, oh, it's good to know this. And, oh, I really need to know this. So they end up, they end up derailing things. They're like, 
Well, like every single digital marketing news site is telling me right now that it's a big deal that Twitter's trying to buy Clubhouse and Clubhouse and Clubhouse. Have you heard about Clubhouse? Clubhouse doesn't matter unless you're an independent influencer or creator, or you have genuine thought leaders under your roof who want to individually dedicate their time to doing that kind of stuff. And still at the end of the day, there was another news story last week about how Twitter literally will not help you drive any money. Like agencies, brands, and publishers have all ranked Twitter at the like bottom in terms of driving revenue. So literally Twitter, until it starts trying to do stuff for businesses instead of individual creators, does not matter. So that's more my point. There's just this glut of stuff that can end up derailing people into wasting time and money and resources into stuff that is going to work for Coca-Cola and not for you. I completely agree. And I think this is our Mr. Rogers coming together moment. I agree. If I, if I, I don't know necessarily if our pie slices are the same, but I like the analogy and I'm with you. I think there are 5% of news stories that feel super relevant. Some other percentage where, yeah, it's good to read a headline and know what's buzzing and what's, you know, what's coming and what's happening. And then there is a huge, I would say the majority uh, that can be dismissed, that can be just tuned out. But like any, like anything else, like you said, it can sometimes be hard to know the difference. And I think ultimately we are able to differentiate and we are able to triage the list of what's coming in because we are aware of it. You know what I mean? And I think like there is, there is something to the fact that like, you have to take in a lot of information and dismiss what's irrelevant in order to like, you have to build that, you know, build that skill set, like kind of build that instinct so that you can sort through and find that 5% and that 25% or whatever it is that like is worth, is worth it. I think also too, you know, I mean, just going back to the Google example, like we literally had to dedicate an entire episode to the fact that Google is contradictory, annoying, trying to ruin our lives, et cetera, et cetera, add on whatever you'd like to add on with updates that matter, updates that don't, updates that do or do not matter, but they are not clear on which one it is, you know, all of those little different things. And I think sometimes one of the things I always try to remind myself is that in those cases, those stories can also matter and not matter. You know what I mean? Like if you're to live and die by every single time Google makes an update, you will literally just be constantly stressed out. You will be constantly stressed out and you're also focusing on the wrong thing, right? Like that's the thing. It kind of induces this panic where you stop focusing on your ideal customers. You stop focusing on the things that you're supposed to be doing that establishes you as that number one teacher in your industry, right? creating the content that answers the questions, creating the videos that your people are dying for, using that content in the sales process, making sure your website isn't something that Google and your customers hate, You know, making your stuff easy to find, posting pricing on your website, on and on and on. All of those things are timeless principles that literally will never be impacted by whatever Google decides to do. You know, we may end up someday in the near future having to rely on carrier pigeons for all to, to disseminate all of our content but that carrier pigeon will still need to have a scroll that is dedicated just to pricing. You know like what I mean? Like my, my point is that sometimes you can become so 
beholden to well, what is Google doing now? I'm completely stressed out. And you saw it. We had our mastermind group. What was it last a couple of weeks ago? And yeah. people were just completely like, I said, how many of you are feeling personally victimized by Google right now? It's completely stressing you out because you don't know what to pay attention to. And like rapid fire, everybody's hand went up on that Zoom call. We had like 20 people, all different content managers from completely different industries of companies of widely, uh, wide variety of sizes, shapes, all of that stuff. And what happens is people get stressed out and they forget that if you stay the course with the basics and a lot of ways, yeah, you may see some dips, you may see some peaks, you may see some valleys, but for the most part, that growth story is going to trend upward. Yeah. And I think that's really important to keep in mind is that the basics don't go out of style and you can't, I agree with your point, John. I agree that you people need to be more open-minded about the stories that they do let in. And they have to be very discerning about the stories they give a lot of weight to, spend a lot of time on, or things where they say, with that information, am I now going to make a strategic change? Yeah. Yeah. So as, as a marketer, as someone who is helping your, your business grow, how do you how do you make sense of the news in a way that it like helps you do your job but doesn't become a source of worry and distraction? You know, it's funny. When I took over being our news editor, our news desk editor, I will admit I really struggled to kind of see the difference. You know, I I I always understood that, you know, you were editing a, a finely tuned column with multiple contributors across the company. And I didn't realize how overwhelming it can be, you know? And so when I first started out, I, it's not that I didn't a hundred percent know how to tell the difference, but I definitely had that. Okay. Everyone's yelling at me. Everybody's telling me that this is an important news story that I need to understand. And now this button's over here and Google's doing something, but nobody's a hundred percent sure. And why is Apple mail trying to ruin our lives with new privacy things? Like there were just, there were so many things and I didn't know how to wrap my head around it. And then essentially what I had to do is we actually stopped having everybody at the company contribute content. We still live and breathe the tie away that they ask you answer way of in-house content. All of our content is still produced in-house. It's just with our content team. And we transitioned from me being the news editor where everybody's contributing. Then it became just me. Then it was just me writing the news. And that's why I've written between 35 and 50 pieces. And I had to sit here and say, okay, my mission in this news column is to give people the inbound marketing news that will help them make smarter decisions faster and achieve their goals more effectively. And I noticed when I started applying that in some ways, very binary principle, it either checks those boxes or it does not. The pool of what I considered actually newsworthy, actually worthy of me covering for our audience of inbound marketers and business leaders got smaller. And that's the thing. There is, this is immediately going to help me make a smarter decision faster. This is immediately going to help me achieve my result, the, the results I'm looking for more efficiently or effectively or whatever appointment. And then there's the box of, oh, this is good to know because I should just have awareness, right? 
But I don't think you get to check that box until you understand how to identify what falls into those other two boxes first. It's kind of like what we were talking about with social media, right? Like social media is a great, great place to play in as an inbound marketer. But you shouldn't even bother thinking about social media if you aren't already publishing between two to three articles a week of content that addresses your ideal buyer's most pressing questions, period. Like until you're doing the basics, until you're actually doing the work of inbound marketing, social media is a distraction. It is not something that will help you amplify anything because you're not creating anything worthy to amplify. So I know that's kind of a long-winded answer, but if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you know, I don't know any other kind of answer. I can answer a yes or no question with 18 paragraphs and still not say yes or no. But that was how I learned. Does it help me make a smarter decision faster? Yes or no? Does it help me make, does it inform a change I will now make to strategically empower me to hit my goals more efficiently? Yes or no? That's it. Those are the two boxes you need to check. Yeah. To me, I, I think there is, in, in the best of situations, there are relationships we build with news outlets, with, with journalists, with um, different publications that we, that we trust, you know, that, that there are, there are columnists that I read all the time. You know, I'm going to read everything that, that this person writes because I really like the way she thinks, even if it doesn't have direct relevance to me, it keeps me up to date on what's, you know, what's, what's topical, what's germane to like everything that's going on in the world. Um, and, The more you kind of find the outlets you trust, the more you understand the like what's relevant to you. Um, and I think for marketers who might always, as you say, be looking to do their job better and more efficiently, um, you know, I, I think everything has to kind of pass the sniff test. And, and if it if it feels like it's going to help you, I, I love that. Like, is is this going to help me make better decisions? Is this going to help me do my job better? And I think we're, we're always kind of triaging everything that's in front of us. Like this is, wow, like I need to stop my day and read this because this is a big deal. I agree. That's a, that's a minute uh, amount of, of stories that are out there. Um, and they're that list of like, okay, if I like put this in context, I know it means that, I don't know, that, that this new tool is worth paying attention to, or this new platform is something, you know, then you can kind of establish some context that, yeah, maybe this is something I'll read over lunch, or this is something I'll skim at some point because it has some relevance. But then ultimately, like, yeah, there are things, the vast majority of things that are just let them go you know, let, let, let it, let it, let it go past. It doesn't concern you. And I'm reminded of the, uh, you know, the serenity prayer of like, you know, having the wisdom to know the difference between what does and what does not affect you directly. So good advice, Liz. Great column. Uh, we'll link it in the show notes. So make sure to read it and, uh, have that, you know, develop that critical eye so that you look at anything in front of you and see, is this going to help me do my job better? Is it going to help me make a better decision? If not, let it go.
So Liz, you've taught us so much already. But teach us more. So here we are in the learning corner. What do you have to share with our audience today? So it's related to a bit to what we were talking about earlier today, because the great irony is that sometimes in a rush for publishers to find the latest and greatest story, things can get missed. And one story that got missed a couple of weeks ago, and then I found it, I excavated it. And I looked at it and went, huh, why are more people not talking about this? I don't know why, but here's a fun little fact. Now we can all get learned and feel a little sad about it. Um, Gartner did, has been for some number of years, been tracking the growth and contraction of marketing budgets across every single industry. And for the first time ever since they've been collecting this data, they have found that marketing budgets have contracted to record lows across every single industry. Marketing leaders had anticipated that budgets would rebound following 2020. And let's face it, like we were all doing less with more. And if our company survived, we were happy to do so because we were pulling together to stay afloat, to keep the lights on, keep jobs, keep companies open, et cetera, et cetera. But again, people were expecting those budgets to come back. And instead they have been slashed by close to 50%. Like it's, it's pretty astonishing. Uh, what's fascinating about this, however, is that, and I talked about this during my keynote at Video Sales and Marketing World last month, last month, yes, about how if we look at times throughout history, it's moments of crisis and when we're backed into a corner, when we truly innovate, when we truly start doing the, the things that we're supposed to be doing. When it's easy, when we have more luxury, when things are fine, or in this specific case, when things aren't on fire and our marketing budgets are bigger, we can do things like, oh, just outsource that to an agency. It's easier, it's the smarter decision. And the output over the past 12 months of the fact that these um, marketing budgets have contracted is that almost 30% of, of items and activities that were typically outsourced to other marketing companies and agencies have been brought in-house. And it's this little nugget that's been buried and a story that has gotten extremely little coverage. And I think that's a big deal. It's a learn that I think we all need to be paying attention to that one of the outcomes of the pandemic from a digital sales and marketing perspective isn't just the fact that like, hey, we've been told for 10 years that video is important, but now we're actually using it and it's not going anywhere. Is the fact that like, we've been outsourcing so much of our strategies. Like for example, if you're in inbound marketing, by a show of hands, how many of you rely on an agency to create your content when you probably shouldn't be doing that? And you know that, but you've been doing it anyway. It's easier to outsource it than to bring it in-house. I'm convinced we're looking at a different inflection point here where we're going to start seeing companies become more reliant upon themselves. They've been buying fish as opposed to learning how to fish, so to speak. So I know this is a bit of an abstract learn, but you know it's been an abstract episode, so sue me. I think the important learn that we need to all walk away from as we're all desperately trying to get back to what we remember as being normal is that not everything should go back to normal. Yeah, great point. Great point. Yeah, like anytime there's anytime there's disruption, it's a great 
it's a great time to, to take stock and think about what could we be doing differently when you're forced potentially to do things differently anyway. Sometimes it's a good reset. I love oh, yeah. it. So, John, what's your reading? So I always have a few books going, but one that I am reading and a few of my colleagues are reading as well is a book called Selling the Invisible by Ooh. Harry Beckwith. And it's, it's supposedly kind of a classic, uh, a marketing classic. It's from the late 90s. And so obviously the, the world has changed greatly since then. And some things that he says have, I think, really were were prescient and and um, spoke exactly to what the future became. Some things are, you know, a little less relevant. But um, he's got a lot of great insights in here. And the whole idea behind it is, especially when we're selling things like services, um, when we're selling expertise, we're selling something that's invisible and therefore is is a, there's a different process. It's a different process than selling like a car where you can really clearly talk about features. When you're selling a service, sometimes that's that's not as as simple. And he's got, as I said, a lot of great insights, but I wanted to read one. It's very short that, um, that I loved and if I underlined it and it really um, it resonated with me. Uh, so he, he titles this, One Thing Most Experts Don't Know. So he says, most companies in expert services, such as lawyers, doctors, and accountants, think that their clients are buying expertise. But most prospects for these complex services cannot evaluate expertise. They cannot tell a really good tax return, a really clever motion, or a perceptive diagnosis. They can't tell those from like a okay tax return. Like they don't have that that um, that acumen, but they can tell if the relationship is good and if phone calls are returned. Clients are experts at knowing if they feel valued. In most professional services, you are not really selling expertise because your expertise is assumed and because your prospects cannot intelligently evaluate your expertise anyway. Instead, you are selling a relationship. And in most cases, that is where you need the most work. And then like a bold sort of summary, he says, if you're selling a service, you're selling a relationship. So I thought that was a great, uh, a great little pithy description of at least part of what impact sells. I know a lot of our listeners sell. Sometimes you might be selling something that is a service and that is a little bit hard to, harder to articulate exactly its benefits, its, uh, its attributes, because it might vary from person to person. So uh, selling the invisible Harry Beckwith, check it out and you get nuggets like that one. Wow. That's fantastic. I literally, while you were doing that, I was going to Amazon and ordering myself a little Kindle copy so I can start reading that. Nice. Um, well, another great episode, John, we did it. Another great episode of Pondent Lab. Sorry, that... John Moorhead and Liz Becker. <laughs> it did get better. It did get better. It did get better. We got better. Yeah. Well, do you want to take us out? Do you want to do you want to redeem yourself by taking us out? All right. Thank you for listening to Content Lab with Liz Moorhead, John Becker. As always, we're uh, thrilled to talk with all of you and to have you listen to our vo- our voices. And we'll see you next time. Bye.